Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. And this is your humble host, Amrit Sandhu. And it is such a pleasure today to bring to you the vibes, nay, the wisdom from Paul Benson. Paul, how are you, brother? Oh, awesome. It is. I, I just the world from you right now, but we're doing great. <laughs> and it's nice and cool in that part of the world, huh? Too cool. <laughs> Too cool. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hot over here, bro. It's really hot today. Um, for those guys tuning in, um, Paul is a, a serial entrepreneur. Um, it's in his it's in his wiring basically, and he's passionate about doing business consciously. So a big focus on what Paul does is um, is helping businesses get conscious. But he's he's really helping. I guess he's he loves systems. He's passionate about systems, and he's had several multi million dollar a year businesses. Um, he's got a background in somatic psychology. Um, he decided that business was much more interesting and has a successful con- and has had a successful successful contracting business for I think thirty years now, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, thirty years, and he's committed to uh, he's committed to his beautiful wife Carol. Um, they're in a beautiful relationship together. He loves dancing, he loves hiking, and just generally he loves life and uh, and just all the the good stuff that comes with that. And so it's an amazing blessing to have you here today, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm really keen to. Um, to really pick apart the, uh, the just just the awareness of like you know obviously a degree behind it in psychology but really that dance towards why business why are we why is business the vehicle to create the shift or the change that we're focused in on? <clears throat> well, you know most of us have to go to work, mm. right? And uh, work is uh, some people believe that business is the uh, is the driver to creating change on the earth. So imagine if all the businesses really um, were about empowering their people. Like here in America, there's a huge disengagement problem with uh, American businesses. They, they, they lose $350 billion, American dollars, 
of revenue every year because workers are disengaged. And the reason why is that most businesses treat their workers like, like kind of like scum, but they don't really matter. <clears throat> yeah. Comes back and bites them. And so I believe that business uh, is an incredible, that's why our business, the business we have, my wife and I have together is, it doesn't feel like work. Because when you really work well together, it doesn't feel like work. It's fun. It's play. So for those listening, there's like, I know it just sounds like the business we're in doesn't feel like work. That's actually what the business is called. The business is called, it doesn't feel like work, which I love. Yeah, but that's really when you really, I mean, I've, you know, in my, I've had a construction company for 30 years. Hmm. And I've got, uh, you know, I used to have 35 people. Now I just have six people. Um, but I run that part-time. And um, when the groove, when people get into a groove, people have so much fun. Our clients are cared for. Uh, the, the jobs are more productive. They get done quicker. And it's just, that's the state that is natural that we can all tap into and work. And so what if every company that was the mandate to really enjoy yourself and be productive and grow, what if the owner of the company was equally focused on the personal growth of every employee as well as the bottom line of that company? Don't you think people would really be, be cared for and really give more back to the company because the company cares about them? That's one of the principles we teach our business owners we coach. So how's, because um, I think that touches on what you mentioned before, which was I was going to ask you is it comes back to bite them in the bum. You mentioned that like if people don't, um, if the people don't engage their, um, I guess their, their staff or um, yeah, their staff or their employees fundamentally um, correctly, then it comes back to bite them. What does that mean? Like what, like what's wrong with the, like if, if I'm an employer not looking after my employee, what's, what's, how's that coming back to bite me in the bum? Like should I not just be driving the bottom line and providing value to my customer at the end of the day? Well, <clears throat> you got to think about it that your employees are human beings. They're not machines. If they're machines then you can treat them any way you want, it doesn't matter because they don't have feelings. But, if you want an employee to uh, really give 100%, you've got to support them. So, for instance, one of the things I do, um, so I've got a, a painting waterproofing company, and we're also becoming general contractors, so we do a lot of remodels too. So I sat down with my employees last year, and I said, you guys, I've been a, I've been a contractor for 30 years. Um, I want to share my knowledge with you. Whatever you want to learn, and just ask me. Tell me what you want me to teach you. I will teach you whatever it is, whether it's contracts, how to manage your money, cash flow charts, um, how to bid. And, and I said, because this is not about you being better for my company. This is something that you can take with you for the rest of your life. So one of them, their, their jaws dropped when I said that. Yeah, that's amazing because most owners would not, I guess upskill their their staff to the point where they could replace them, basically, right? Yeah, but what it, it's actually almost counterintuitive. You think you shouldn't do that, but when you do that, one of them said to me, "They're about all their jaws dropped open," and one of them said, "Wow, no boss has ever told me this ever, ever." Yeah, I'm not surprised. And so it's, 
example of, so we do leadership meetings, and what I told them is that everyone here is a teacher. I'm teaching my foreman about the business. They're teaching the younger painters how to paint, and, and what if everyone's really looking out for each other, like a family, like a good family? I think that is a great work environment, and what happens? So you ask the question, why is that biting the bum if you don't do that? Because if an employee feels like you don't care about them, you're just using them to make money, mm. guess They're going to go, why should I really bust my butt for this boss? They don't give a shit about me. So when you care about them, they start to care for you and for your business. And guess what? Every employee is your marketing team. Every customer is your marketing team. If you're not giving something to them, which is beyond the value of what they're paying for, they're going to feel like, well, it's okay. But imagine if every everyone in your company is wanting to give something special to that customer, whether it's a smile or carrying the groceries to their house, then everyone starts to feel loved. And it's not, it's not a fake thing. It's just genuine because it's not coming from me. It's coming from my employees. Yeah, so, wow quality of how people feel the customers the vendors uh, and the employees they all feel different when you create that culture and so that's what we coach a lot of contractors so a lot of contractors and small business owners we coach now one of the problems they have is they work way too many hours and don't make enough money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we show how to ship that so rather than tell them we're going to teach you conscious business principles and we don't say that we say, tell us what your problems are. And usually every problem a business has is a conscious business principle they haven't learned yet. So then we show them how to shift their business so that it works better for them and for everyone. And that's generally by getting in tune with their employees. Is that generally the rule of thumb that you've sort of applied across the board? or? Well, I let, I let their problems and difficulties guide us. Mm-hmm. And then, like, for, for instance, we were working with one general contractor. He does about a million dollars a year. And um, when I was looking at his numbers, um, I knew he needed to do a VIP day with us. So we gave him a VIP day, which normally is, you know, $3,500. We just kind of threw it in. Uh, and um, what we did was we worked with his mindset because his, there's the inner game and the outer game. The inner game is really your beliefs. Yep. Which, what you can receive, what you can give and have for yourself. So, And I could see that his business wasn't making enough money. Mm-hmm. He was over, overpaying some of his employees, and he didn't have a structure. He didn't really understand the, the bones of a business, that you've got you've to be profitable, and you've got to create extra value for your customers. And he was creating the value, but he was overpaying his people, and he was paying himself very little. And so we did a whole mindset piece on his self-worth and his identity as a business owner. And then when I was showing him how to triple his business, he was going, oh my goodness, I can't find my old limiting beliefs. They're gone in two hours. So that's the kind of work we do because you've got to work on the inside and the outside. That's amazing. That makes sense? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's really inspirational. So is this the direction that um, that you're continuously, like obviously you've got your own businesses that you're working on, 
and then consulting. Why is it so important to you to now consult to other businesses? Is it like, have you found education to create a bigger shift um, than just instilling the values in your own workplace? Or like what's driving you to consult and coach um, other businesses? Uh, well, so I've done the contracting. I can do it in my sleep. It's a beautiful business and it gives us nice cash flow. Yeah. But honestly, I want to be more international. Mm. And, and I believe that I want to be an advocate for conscious business. And that's where, that's where my wife is, too. She's uh, trained. She was trained by a whole group with Ken Wilber, uh, the Conscious Business Initiative. I think they just changed the name. But she has a certification from that training program. And so we're both about conscious business uh, because we believe that if business changes, everything will change on the earth. If business, and, and there's a lot of problems in business now, so... When, so that's my mission is to really contribute more. And and having my own business is, is nice, it's good, but I'm ready to do something that's more challenging and that, that really helps more people mm. to have a big So I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nosedive straight into it. So I think a lot of people, um, especially those that have a spiritual bent or um, have like a... Um, I guess there's that belief, right, that money is not spiritual and ergo business is not spiritual. Um, do you meet people like this in your path? Uh, well, some of those people might be what we call spiritual bypassers, uh, which is that they have a value in spirituality, which is beautiful, because I, I came from that world. Yeah. When I was 18, I, I mean, I could have worked with my dad, and been a multimillionaire, very young, and I said, no, I can't do that. I've got to find my own path. Mm. And so I was spiritual path for, um, well, I still am, but I had spiritual teachers, and I did that for like 20, 20 plus years. So it's a beautiful path, but um, uh, I, I think money is beautiful. Uh, and money, that when you have money, and if you have a heart focus, you can serve more people by having a lot of money, than if you're just broke and you think money is evil and it's not really spiritual. I think you can have it both. I think you can appreciate the value of money, but realize that money, look at this, you can have $10 million, but you're not happy. You're not balanced. Or you could have $10 million, but you have no health. Your body's falling apart, you're about to die. Mm. So I think that money is a currency, but so is happiness, so yep. is connection so is contribution and generosity of spirit and I think that all these things are needed to really be happy and each person's got to find their own path I don't have the answer for you or anyone everyone has their own answer and I can just inspire others to find their own answer that makes sense for them yeah so I'm intrigued by the idea of contribution um, because I guess for someone that like has had beliefs, like I, I've recently been working, punching through a lot of beliefs myself in terms of money as well, specifically. And, um, just the idea that I didn't realize that money, I didn't realize that I thought there was anything wrong with money. Having said that, I, there have been all these little stories that people have placed along the way in life. You just hear, you know, money is the root of all evil. And it's just a saying that you hear and you think nothing of, right? Um, which actually that phrase is wrong, right? Apparently it's the desire purely for money. If you're just desiring money for money's sake, then that's probably not 
yeah, serving you. Um, but it's interesting because you pick up all these little threads and all these little stories along the way around money and around, I guess, I associate money with business and people going into that entrepreneurial venture. And a lot of that resistance to going into business would be the inner, like you said, the inner game and the outer game. Um, I find that really interesting that we pick up so much from the outer world that creates that inner resistance towards stepping into business, which is, I guess, a, a, a nice way to sort of step into your fullest potential in many a case, right? Um, and hence your entrepreneurial journey. So I guess I would say is that it really depends on each person and what their journey is. Mm -hmm. Most of us live in a society that requires money for things. Yep. It's just what it is. So uh, if you live, I mean, you can live in a tribe where everything's communal and you just hunt for your own food and if that's really what um, is your dharma and what uh, is right for you, then beautiful. You don't need to have money and business. But I, I believe that the Western world, see, I, I think, so I think a lot of tribal values um, uh, are really important for us. So one thing I do is I do a vision quest every week. I've done that for 13 years. Yeah, tell us about that. It's kind of like a walkabout. Um, I, I uh, have a little mini backpack. I grab it in the morning with my bedroll and um, I turn off my cell phone most of the time and I don't, I don't have my cell phone on. I don't do any errands. I just go off into nature. And I just wander. Um, I have a journal I write. Uh, and I just, I really slow down. And so that is a, a tribal thing. That's a, that's a very indigenous way of being. And I think that a lot of the indigenous cultures have got really beautiful rituals that we are missing in the modern world. And I think it's probably... You know, again, for me, this is my path. I like to be balanced. You know, and part of the balance is that I'm on the earth. I am of the earth. And so by going out in nature, I'm reminding myself of who I am. And my experience is when I'm in nature, I'm in, I'm in paradise. I'm in, like, God's beautiful, beautiful, pristine creation. And it's just like I feel like I go back a million years into this beautiful, timeless place. That's my experience a lot of times when I'm in nature. But, so back to business, uh, just, to, just to finish that thought, for me, my path is to help people find themselves in business. Because I think that people have lost themselves in business. And people have lost themselves with money. People have lost themselves with digital technology. Their cell phones and how connected we are with everything. But they've lost their own inner rhythm. So we just did a quest with a, a guy named Jim Quick, who's a, a, a super brain coach. And uh, one of the things that he had said in his morning rituals is, I don't touch my cell phone for an hour, which is what I've been doing for a long, long time. I don't, because if you just look at your phone, well, what's going on with your Facebook or whatever. That's it, you're sucked in and it's just gone. sucked in and you lose your own center. And I think that in business and with money, people have lost their centers. Working, like that's like a means goal versus an end goal. The, the end goal is really being happy along the journey, and the, the goal might change, but you, you're following yourself, you're following your soul, your soul connection. And so that's why I believe, really, the poverty in the world is in how we do business. People suffer in business, and it's not needed. You can change. If we change how we do business, everything on the earth, on the earth will change. That's what I believe. 
So that's part of my mission for me. So creating conscious business, is there a space for like, so this is within a capitalistic structure. So we continue moving yeah. the way things are, but it's just getting more and more conscious. Yeah. So, so we have a thing, um, a code, we look at nine levels of the business uh, and it has to do with lots of different things. But a lot of it is like, like uh, as Vision of the County of Mind Hours is, is it a humanity plus business? Which means that is it really doing something that makes the earth a better place? To me, that's really important because businesses have a responsibility to be custodians and care for their employees and care for the earth and the resources. And so, uh, you know, some businesses are not conscious and they're, they're about greed and dominance and control. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, the, that's, that's not the new business. That's not the business we need. That's the old style business that is dying and they're not working as well. So do you think those businesses are dying? Because they seem to be the ones in, I guess, in need of a better way to put it, power at the moment. But this whole, like I've noticed generally, just speaking, you know, my generation in particular, like people that start a business, um, they're already looking at like, I give you a classic example. So uh, a product that we absolutely love is there's this product called Thank You Hand Wash. And uh, it's basically every time you wash your hand, it's like a it's like a soap dispenser, um, and it's just it's just hand it's just hand wash. But every time you wash your hand, they're contributing to sanitation in a developing country, right? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah so there's all these amazing initiatives um, that people have, and it started off with a, with a thank you water bottle. So they you know they 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 sell bottled water, which you know everybody has their own opinion about whether bottled water or whatever, whatever, but they're using that as a conscious agent to then f provide water in developing countries. Yeah, right? that's so every beautiful. bottle you buy goes elsewhere. So more and more place like a switching on like this, but I guess I'm, I'm really inspired by that because I see these potential for, for business to create a conscious change like you're advocating. But I still wonder if, you know, the big companies that own, you know, all the water labels <laughs> or all the soft drink labels, you know, is there a, is there, how does the shift occur? Is it, is it based on us as the consumer to start get feeling that short social response and voting with our dollar or? Well, sure, that's one way. But if you think about the millennials, which um, are people who, you know, 35 years old and younger, uh, at least in the United States, anyway, they're becoming the biggest buying power, much bigger than the baby boomers, which is my my generation. I think there's going to be about 80, 80 million millennials. And millennials have a different mindset. They do not want business as usual. So in their buying power, the businesses that are the old way, one, they have lots of employee disengagement. If you think about the Googles, and the, the Facebooks, they have, I mean, they work people really hard because I know a lot of people that work in those companies. Yeah. But at the same time, they have such an attractive, they're really trying to get the talent. And there's probably a talent war going on. So the best companies create a good environment. You know why? Because it attracts the best people. Mm. What happen, I think that there is a change, but things don't happen overnight. And that employee disengagement is a huge problem in the United States. So the best companies are addressing by creating a culture that, of care, you know, and there's a lot of statistics that shows that. But the other thing is that with the advance of technology, um, 
more of the jobs that we have now will not exist in 10 years. Like 40% of the jobs that we have now will not exist. Yep. And can't go backwards. You know, the problem with globalization is that there are a lot of people that are suffering from it because industries change, but you've got to be adaptable to flow with what's next for you. Yeah. You know, can't just, I mean, you know, more and more, actually, the trend also is that the, the role of an employee is going to diminish and everyone will be entrepreneurs working for companies. And most of the big companies, like I think Cisco, over 50% of the people that work with Cisco are not employees. Huh. No, they're not. They're contractors. And a lot of the bigger companies are doing that, which means that you don't get a pension, uh, and then when they don't need you, you're done. So that's coming. That's already happening. So how do employees get ready for that? You have to really focus on creating excellence. And if you focus on being excellent inside yourself and contributing, even if the job you're at is not the perfect job, that you become a valuable resource for that company. And you also become more of an entrepreneur as yourself. And you realize, I'm here to serve. So anyway, those are some of my thoughts about it. So, you know, it's a slow thing. It's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, I'm more about if you, wanna, if you want to change the world, change yourself and go out and make, make a difference with what you do rather than making others wrong for what they're doing. Because usually people are doing the best they can in whatever viewpoint they have. And it doesn't work to make someone wrong for what they're doing. It's better to create a, peop- a whole group of people that follow you and that want to do something new, like the water company talked about. You know, that's their vision of give back. That's beautiful. That's a humanities plus company. Where they're giving back to third world countries that need sanitation or need water resources. Or that, That's beautiful. Mm. I, um, I can't help but notice as I'm speaking to you that you're quite clear about who are the people you want to work with. So obviously the Humanity Plus and the Planet Plus people, which I think a lot of us, or a lot of us, or just generally people um, are very willing to just work, like if work is work and work is work, you know? Um, but it seems like you're quite dialed in on your mission, but also very like clear on, I'm only going to work with the people that are Humanity Plus and Planet Plus. Um, yeah. What, yeah. Can you can you explain like why that discernment? Well, you can't teach anybody anything, and you can't make anyone do anything. We have two sons, and what I've learned about being a, a, a co-parent with my wife is I try to inspire them to find the change inside themselves, where they want to shift into a more responsible place. And the old way of making them wrong doesn't really work. That you know, I can kind of force them to do something, but but then there's resentment. And so really I think the more more enlightened way all of us to live is is really do your own work, take responsibility for your own S H I T, you know? Uh, look at your shadows, you know, own where you are and and find a way, find your quest. And when you find your quest, then your quest is a way to serve humanity. And then you do it not to try to make more money from it. Mm-hmm. And really, it's more like giving the gift is the gift. Yeah. Just by giving. Like, one thing I would do is I would carry around these million-dollar bills, and I would just give them away to people. And I would only do it if I felt like I could make them laugh. 
So, I mean, I, I would go into a restaurant and I would say, you know, I've got a big bill. Can I break it? Oh, sure. So I pull out the million dollar bill and she's like, they just start laughing hysterically. <laughs> Markets take it around to all the people, checking people out and looking, stopping everyone saying, look at this, look at this. I've had just some amazing things happen, but it's just like creating fun with people. And I think that's that, that lights me up. That's giving back in a small way, you know, making someone laugh. Mm, I resonate with that. You mentioned quests a couple of times. So, um, the vision quest. When, like, what you did? You've obviously done. You've obviously done a vision quest. Um, what? What's the? Uh, I'd love to hear about what brought you to Vision Quest, and then how, like, has that process been? Because obviously, you have quite a unique relationship with it, going on a vision quest every week almost for yourself. So I did a vision quest uh, 13 years ago with about uh, eight people who went into the Sequoia National Forest for 10 days. Oh, beautiful. It was amazing. And in the, so we would be in circle with each other uh-huh. and share our dreams and what we wanted. And also we were in a place where rarely anyone goes. So we were just around, lots of bears around us. This whole bear valley. Wow. We permission by the rangers and... Um, it was a really beautiful, very deep experience. And when we did, we each did a solo for four days just on water. Uh, and in that vision quest, I saw creating a room in my house. I had a very big house at that point. Um, and I created a room that started my morning rituals every morning. And, and every week, I saw doing a vision quest to remember what I got on this 10-day thing. So I've kept it. And occasionally, like when it rains a lot, I might only go out for 20, 30 minutes, an hour or so, you know, when it's storming out. But I really try to keep it because for me, it's like, I think that when you create good habits, you first create the habit and your habit creates you. It's a part of character. Because I believe that the more we can be true to our values, and stay true to that, um, we become stronger as a human being. Mm. Impact in, in the world. So I do them just because, uh, like when I was running um, two, two businesses, and it was like it was really hard to take off for a half a day or three quarters of a day. That's but I was so do, intrigued, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was like, I mean, I had 35 people working for me, and it was like intense, right, when you have a company. Here I go off in nature, and one of the things I would always do is I would have a little bedroll, and I would just go in nature, lie down in the sun, and just take a nap. And something would happen. It would just like recalibrate my nervous system, and I would just slow down, and I would start to realize, oh. And I'd feel kind of sad because I'd come out of nature, and I would not see one person. And I'm going, wow, how come more people aren't doing this? Yeah. Such a way to, such a simple way to balance yourself, you know. Or if you don't have a big nature, go to a park. Yeah. But it was a, me as a way of touching my heart and my gratitude for being alive. Mm. You have all the great things in the world, but if you're not happy, if you're not in a place of gratitude and receiving life, you're missing out. Mm. What about the um the conversation that is? There's definitely a conversation to be had in the space that people often think that um, their business or going into business or starting their business or having a thriving business will eventually provide them the funds to be happy. Um, As opposed to what I've recently been discovering is you're 
you're happy now and you'll be happy then or you're either not happy now and you'll start a business and you won't be happy then if you're not happy now um do you kind of follow what i'm saying like are you like people expecting their business to change their life situation and their perhaps their temperament um because they're in business so so let me answer that a couple ways i was just thinking about that tonight um because Carol and I were, my wife, uh, we're at a beautiful dinner and we're outside and there's this fire pit and we were meeting people around the fire pit and just joking about different things. We we're talking about fire walking. Yeah. Everyone, whenever each person comes out, I say, okay, now you have to fire walk. Tony Robbins is around the corner. <laughs> and having fun, you know. And, um, and she was talking about, um, we do a thing called the six phase meditation. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the one of the phases that we do is where you go into the future three years or so. And so Carol was describing our house, the beautiful house we had. And right now we're just renting. We've owned you know, a number of houses before, but that's a whole other story what happened to those houses. <laughs> um, and, um, and she was talking about it, and I realized, I said, wow, it's like, I think there's a, there's a, there's a sickness that we do as humans, and I fall into this sometimes, mm-hmm. where I think, oh, if I get that, then then my life will really be good. If I get the business, or if I get the girl, if I get the guy, then my life will really be rocking. And it's not true. Because if you think about it, so much in your life is already working for you. you there's so much you have to be grateful for with everything exactly as it is. And that's really what you're talking about. Happy in the now is a place where you realize there, there is no future, really. There's only now. And the future is only now when it happens. You're only in the now. There is no future. You might think there's a future, and it looks like a future, but it never comes. And so if you have a, like, I had a goal. Listen to this, okay. Uh, I had a goal of first doing a million dollars a year, which I did. Then I had a goal of doing two million dollars a year, which we did. And I had next goal of doing three million. I remember we had a year where we did 2.6 million. And I had two companies, 35 employees. And I generated about $500,000 gross uh, profit. And after all the expenses of my, you know, my staff, this is my core staff, I broke even and I made nothing. $2.6 million dollars. And it was like, it was kind of a shock. I went, wow. And I was not going <laughs> to... I realized that, that, first of all, business is a really challenging thing. And it's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, um, it, there's, takes a, there's a, a skill set to be an entrepreneur. And it's, it's not something you can learn or go to school for. It's just something you, you, you have and you can cultivate. Yeah. And have to have a business of your own to be successful. Mm. You know, you think about Tim Ferriss in his four-hour work week, he talks a lot about really developing your craft and getting really good at it so you can. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Go to your business and say, you know what? I want to work two days from home. because, And they go, you know what? We don't want to lose you. We'll let you do that. Mm. So I'm not saying business is right for everyone. It's really, again, that's why I was going back to the same thing. You've got to find your own path, what's right for you, and you get to get, love yourself and appreciate the gifts you have and start to grow those gifts. Talking about growing your gifts, thank you so much for sharing that, by the way. That was amazing. I um, sure. I really want to, you know, we, we obviously met in California um, where we were at um uh, we through mind valley and yeah. i remember like just something that really inspired me was your um your this this conversation that we had about impulse um and speaking from impulse um mm-hmm. and i really just cuz we're talking about gifts and staying true to who you are um i really was wondering if we could tap into that conversation again just a little bit just to reawaken that so i can share that a little bit further so um at the event that we met each other, there's 30 of us that met for the first time. We had to do a, I think like a, a six or 10 minute talk. And so I designed this whole talk that I was going to do. And then I was talking to a guy that night who was really, he's a professional speaker. And I said, you know, I had this whole talk. Actually, I told him that morning. I told him that morning. And I said, you know what? I threw my whole talk away and I got up on stage not knowing what I was going to do. Because I believe that, um, and I'm an introvert, so introverts, we feel the room. We feel very deeply. And so a lot of times it's hard for me to speak because I feel like I feel so much in the room. But that's also what he said. He said to me, he says, that's your gift. Your gift is you can speak what's in the room that most people don't want to say. And so from impulse, for me, that's partly what it is, is where you don't just have a canned speech of what you think you need to say. You, you're listening to how people are listening to you. You're listening to what needs to happen here. How can I serve people? And so I had a lot of people say, wow, that was so inspiring what you did. And I was like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was, but it was, that was my edge. And so I think that, you know, now where I'm at is a little different. I like to do both. I like to um, to have some points that I want to cover. Mm-hmm. So I've been running these seminars uh, here up in California, yep. and we do one a month. And so what we do is we actually um, there's three of us that run them, and we actually um, <clears throat> come up with a syntax, which is like sort of a flow of the event, and then we thought about it. And then we just start to go, and we each will cover something, but we, we really let ourselves flow. So Carol, was, my wife, at the event, she was doing these exercises that were, were so funny, cracking everybody up. It was so hilarious because mm. we, we focus on creating engagement so that people really are engaged with what the content we is, what we're, we're giving, but also 
I want someone to go home with something from what happened. Yeah. Not that they're entertained, that's good. They make good connections, that's good, but they, they, they we help them in their life some way. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we do a survey, and so we have a survey of everyone that came to our event uh, last week, and we're designing a new event based on the two areas that they most want in their life. Ah, nice. Yeah, so that so 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 impulse is about following the energy in the room, following the questions, and just feeling to how you want to how you want to serve people. You know, because it's about them. It's not really about me. It's about them. Because this is what I was going to ask on the back of that was knowing that you're you're obviously you know having been an entrepreneur not having been current like obviously the journey of being an entrepreneur that loves systems that loves like you know just yep implementing systems and having like you said cash flow sheets and all these ideas and all these systems that fall into place to help run a business and then at the same time being this person that has learnt to cultivate how to run on impulse. You know, and just what will arrive will arrive. You know, those the the dichotomy and the dance between the two. Is that something like is that impulse? Is that something that you bring to business, or is that is it business is specifically about systems for you? So so when we coach clients, um, we create stuff that I've never heard or done before. Um, He's so good. This is the internet connection. is weird. So sounds so good. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got a little thing up. So, for instance, like one of our clients is a landscape contractor, and he was working 16 hours. So I'm going to explain the, the question in, with a story. Yep. And I said, well, first thing is working way too many hours, my friend. We're going to get you to work a lot less. And so as he talked about his day. He was like the center point for his business. And whenever there's problems with his clients, they'd all text him. I'd say, oh, that's the first problem right there. We need to have your employees. You need to empower your employees to step up so that one or two of your employees now are servicing that client. So we developed together a system for his business that he loves, which is he created a Google spreadsheet of all the all his clients, so every one of his employees, his, his key employees, have got on their phone access to that Google spreadsheet, and they actually check in with what they're supposed to do, what they did last month of the job. So they are managing the job without him. He just designed the system, and then they're also receiving the phone calls from the clients. And then if they can't answer, then they can go to him. So what we did was we designed the system. So now he's working half as much. He took four vacations last year, which is really cool. Yeah. And his business and his business ran just as well. Awesome. So, so what we did was we I designed with him a system that worked for him, uh-huh. and that's what I do with every business owner. We do this. We look at. So it's not about my system. It's about what work that you can buy into. And the other thing with system is that you've got to create systems that your employees really like. And yeah, it makes right. it easier because if you don't do that, it's like, oh, the new consultant's got a system we all have to do. It's like no one's going to follow it. They're going to give you lip service and just do it the old way. And so because you don't have buy-in from those employees. Mm. And so that's what I always try to do is create buy-in. So when, when I show up at my job sites, some of my guys look at me and go, okay, what should I do? I say, well, I'm not the boss. 
I, I, I say that. I say, I'm not the boss. I say, you're the boss. You tell me what you need to do. So you empower them. Yeah, yeah. And when they when they screw up, I say, okay, you just damage our relationship with the client. What are you going to do to solve this? And I let them come up with what they want to do to solve it. And then they do it. And it's really cool because, see, if I fix the problem, then I disempower them. Mm. And every problem is a, is a place where we can all grow. Whenever there's a problem, it's a way that we don't have a system for the business or someone's not taking responsibility. It's just an opportunity for everyone to grow. So what if everyone is growing in the business and they're be, becoming more mature? Don't you think they're going to be more alone in the business? Because the business cares about them as a person. Brilliant. Well, I'm kind of going off stream and kind of going through. It's perfect. I'm loving it. <laughs> the question about impulse and system. Yeah. It's really two poles. The system, every business is a system. That's the structure. But it's got to be a system that people will follow and that makes sense for the business. It can't be a top-down thing. It's got to be something that people follow. The impulse is finding that people want to engage with the system. Finding a system that they like and they will use. Don't give them a system that they're not going to use. It's, it's a waste of time. So that's what I try to do with my business owners that we coach and the teams we work with is creating things that they design. Because I could come up with an idea, the owner could come up with an idea, or that employee could come up with that idea. Which idea do you think is more valuable? The idea from me, the coach? The idea from the owner? or the idea from the employee? Which do you think has more value in that company? I think it's loaded, so I could probably say the employee, but I, uh, I wouldn't have said that at the outset of this conversation. Yeah, but you know why? Because the employee thinks it came from them because it did, mm. and they they are now empowered. And then if the boss goes, that's a great idea. Let's, let's institute that. Mm. Oh my, that employee now feels valued. Mm-hmm. Something that they came up with is helping, and so they're actually they're actually giving, they're actually contributing, which is actually one of the Maslow talks about the you know the six human needs. One of them is growth, and one of them is contribution. Mm. So you just gave that person a gift of contributing to the company, and they're going to buy into it because it came from them. And those are the two highest needs as well. Yeah. yeah. So in this, I um. I really want to now dial into just, I guess we've been talking a bit about management. Like obviously you're coaching and you're, you're coaching people that manage other people. The idea of self-management, um, you know, and maybe some of the business owners, you know, don't have employees or maybe they're, I don't know, you know, but um, I really want to just like dial into like, what do you do for yourself for self-management? And what do you prescribe for someone managing themselves and their own systems? Because like you said, um, which is something that I really, I'm really excited by. Just to take away is there's a problem, there's because there's a lack of a system, and if there's a system, you'll grow, um, and that's your growth cycle. The problem you can like you can install a system in that space, and that is the growth cycle. So, what about personal problems and you know personal organization, scheduling, just you know, um, uh, preferencing certain tasks and all that sort of stuff. Um, how does one go about self-management and what are your, like, what, like, do you have any hacks for yourself for self-management? Ooh, that's such a, that's a great question and it could go a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah, I do, I do. Um, 
So one of the things I do is that, that for me, I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of different things. So my morning, my morning rituals have gotten very big. So jump up. And so one of my triggers for one of my morning rituals is I turn on music and I do um, some exercise, stretching right away. Yeah. I don't have my phone for at least an hour or even two hours. Unless I have employees that might check in about something, then I'll check because all my employees will text me. So we text communicate. Uh, so I'll just, I might quickly glance at it, but I don't look at the phone at all. Uh, and then I, I drink water and make myself a cup of tea because I'm hydrating my brain. Because your brain uses lots of water and it needs water. Um, we make a smoothie every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always do some type of learning. So I'm always reading or learning something every morning. Uh, and then I do a meditation. So I meditate. So I've, I've exercised my mind. I've exercised my body. I've exercised my spirit. And I'm excited. I'm excited to just learn something new. Because for me, I know I'm a learner. And I like learning things. So that's my morning ritual. So I feel like by the time I leave my house, I've already won the day. I'm already happy and like, so, so okay, so that's one thing I do. So um, now I, I used to have spiritual teachers and I meditate a lot. Um, and now I don't do very much meditation at all. I do a little bit in the morning, maybe five, 10 minutes. But I find that I'm meditating on and off all day long. This yes. is a natural meditation. My gratitude practice, just appreciating the beauty of life. Or when I walk around the store, I just go, people are so beautiful. Everyone is so beautiful. I just appreciate the beauty. That's my meditation. So to answer your question, I think that each person's got to find um, rituals, healthy rituals that really give to them. Uh, one is physical exercise. Finding something you like doing. Don't do it. I don't go to gyms. I don't go to gyms because I don't like gyms. You know, I do exercise I love. I do qigong. I do yoga. I dance. I walk in nature. That's my exercise. Mm. You know, I lift weights. I have barbells. You know, so I work out in my house every morning before I leave. So I've already done my workout. Um, but what's happening now is it's getting so long. It, like three days ago, it was like three hours. I was like, oh, man, I got it. So I made it two hours today. So I'm trying to make it a little tighter so I do everything I wanted to do in two hours or less. Yeah. But I said people have got to find you – know, so I think inspirational books are really powerful. You know, people can read or listen to podcasts like this, mm-hmm. you know, um, to inspire them. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because then you start to, you know, to create a new behavior. There's a, there's a format called um, uh, BMAP. So yeah. the behavior is B. M is motivation. You've got to have the motivation to shift something. And so I think that part of your question comes down to finding that inner motivation to have the life you want. Like for me, I've been happy for many years. I don't leave the house until I'm happy before I go. You know what I mean? I'm in that place of happiness. That's part of my ritual. I live in happiness all the time. Even when we were going through so much intense stuff, my wife and I, about eight years ago, not with each other, but in my businesses, we ended up losing our home and stuff like that. It was very intense, but I used everything as a teaching point for me. So that's another thing I do, is everything that's intense, I allow it to teach me. 
and there's something I can learn from this 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 incident. You know what I mean? So let's see what else. Um, so inspiration, a physical practice to take care of your body because you have a beautiful body. We all got these beautiful bodies. Even when I had Lyme disease, I had Lyme disease. I don't know if you know that. No. But Lyme disease, you know, a bite from a tick, and I was losing muscle mass. I could barely walk. Wow. People would see wow. me and they thought, they, I mean, my son said I looked like the Grim Reaper, you know, mm. that was, looked like I was going to die. And I don't know if I would have died, but it was very intense. <clears throat> and I ended up healing it, and I'm really good now. But I saw that as a gift, too. And it gave me, it gave me so much uh, compassion for people that aren't well. Yeah. You know? So um, I, that's also what I like to do, you know. And I, I you know, I want to be a great teacher. A great teacher who doesn't teach, if you know what I mean. <laughs> totally. totally. So that's inspiration, to teach like nature teaches. Mm. Ah, it's, that's amazing. <laughs> she says, nature doesn't say, oh, oh I just taught I you a that. lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best, isn't it? Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, thank you. And so... There's this big, there's this massive thing that we're, keeps reoccurring in this conversation that I'm having with you is behaviors, habits, and rituals. And so I think that's the systematic, which is perfect. What you were describing was a morning ritual. And so wherever there's a problem, create a behavior of change is kind of what I'm picking up on. Create a habit, create a ritual, and allow that to become the new norm. And then you grow with your ritual. And like you said, you become your ritual yeah. or your habit, and your habit yeah. becomes you. Yeah, so the way the BMAT works, this was a um, uh, professor at Stanford University in California that developed this. I uh, was just uh, learning about it today. Uh, B is behavior. M is for motivation. you got to be motivated. Like, why do you want to change this behavior? A is for um, ability. Yep. Let's say you want to learn to play the piano, but you've never played the piano before, and you want to play like uh, Schubert or something. Well... You're probably not going to get there right away because you don't have that ability. That's what the A stands for. And the T stands for trigger. Trigger. So, for instance, the trigger for me in the morning is I get up, I come to my laptop right here, and I turn on my Pandora station, and I put it on very softly. That's a trigger because then all of a sudden I'm in that zone. Mm -hmm. You know. So triggers are important for creating new behavior. What is it that inspires you? that goes, oh, yeah, I need to do this. I need to do my breathing exercises. I need to do my stretching now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. And uh, I've, I've been researching uh, exactly um, exactly that as well. And the BMAT, the one thing that I just want to share with those listening is that the easiest place to install a trigger is in a habit you've already got. So, like, that, that was something that just blew my mind, which was, you know, because how do you find a trigger? Like, how do I find myself to trigger to, for, you know, clients to get them to come and sit and meditate for longer? Or how do I get my clients to come and sit and hydrate for more? If you've already got a, a trigger, like let's say you go to the bathroom, rehydrate, you know, so if every time you go to the bathroom, you've already got a biological trigger, that's a habit that you're already into, which is elimination and you can drop back into water if you want to work out every time you meditate you can follow your meditation with a workout now you're working out as well as meditating 
So it's that the trigger thing was really cool, and I, I love that. Um, I'm oh, conscious of the time, but I know it's getting late over there in the states through the time difference. Um, so uh, we'll start. <laughs> I will start wrapping things up. Um, a question I want to know is: um, Is there a particular book that you have gifted or read the most, and that you have shared the most? Is there a particular book that is your absolute favorite? Hmm. Well, I know uh, when I was 18, when I started my spiritual journey, mm. uh, the uh, um, Autobiography of a Yogi by Parman Hansa Yogi. <laughs> it's a good book. was the book I read when I was 18, and it just opened my eyes up. And it was just a beautiful book. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it, that's for me. But, you know, I think that books, you know, now when I read books, um, you know, uh, when I get into the zone, I feel like I'm listening to the voice of God. Mm. You know, each author is like just this beautiful channel of something they're they're sharing. So all books are great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, um, you gotta find ones that resonate for what you need. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Also, I just say, say nature. Nature is an amazing book. I just you know you guys are on a beautiful continent where you have. Um, a whole group of people that have been doing walkabouts for many thousands of years mm. and the natives of your land and um, they, they have beautiful rituals they do. Yeah. and learn from them learn from them they were there before everyone else was <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's actually an interesting time to have this conversation yesterday was uh, Australia Day and uh, there's a bit of a turmoil in terms of whether it was an invasion or whether we should be celebrating um, something that was so, you know, there's obviously the dichotomy of the two, but there's no denying yeah. that the indigenous culture is absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. So much wisdom. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And to live in harmony that way. Yeah. They teach us a lot, you know, they teach us a lot. Yeah. Um, so, now, if you could pick up the phone and call the 20 year old. On about to embark on his spiritual journey, <laughs> Paul Benson. Yep. <laughs> what would be the advice you'd be giving him in this quick? What would be the, I guess, the nuggets of wisdom, the the dot points of that conversation? Hmm. <sighs> Slow down. Yeah, like the twenty-year-old that I'm talking to was. <laughs> It would have been a mad rush to get to a better place, to get to get the girlfriend or get respect that he didn't have, and you know he was bullied a lot. And um, I guess I would say, you know, um, I'm still the 20 year old. He, 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 here, I mean, I, I feel like I'm like 18 or 20, and so he's still here. This might sound silly to those that are listening, but those that have met you, this completely makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, aren't I? I'm, I'm almost 60, and I'm like a kid. And like really tall as well. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a blessing to hang out with you. Um, so, what I would say is that, you know, um, there's always, um, you know, whether you're, I mean, you talk to millionaires, they always want more money or more whatever. You talk to spiritual people, they want more enlightenment, more, more ever. And I think that's the trap, is there, there is no more. And the more comes when it comes, but you can't 
force it. So I would say to my 20-year-old and to the 20-year-olds listening is, hey, dig yourself. Dig yourself where you are. It's not better here. Yeah. It's not better here. The future is not better. When you're, <laughs> you know, it's funny. People always want something that they aren't. Either they want to get older when they're young or they want to get younger when they're older. older. Yeah, it's so, always, yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, just, let's just stop all that stuff and how <laughs> celebrate where we are <laughs> it's rampant that was a lesson i learned really early on like because i used to travel to india as a kid a lot and in india the stereotype for beauty is being fair it's like having fair skin is like, yeah. like, like and yeah. growing up in australia the epitome of beauty is being tanned right so it's like if you can get a tan it's like oh and it's like always just like what you don't have is is what you meant it's ridiculous we go on these journeys i don't know why <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of, it's kind of a scarcity journey and that's why I think happy you know happy in the now is really important mm. is each of us finding our own happiness finding our bliss uh, and then we can grow and develop that I am happier now than I've ever been and I keep growing in my happiness I love it so if you could put your like you get to design a billboard and you get to stick it up in Times Square, New York. Yeah? And it can say anything you want it to say, but you get to broadcast your message on a billboard in Times Square, New York. What would your billboard read, Paul? Well, I would say it wouldn't read anything about me, but it would read about each person that looked at it. And what it would say, is, it would be, it would basically, like, what if you had... You know, I, I'm intrigued with virtual reality. Uh-huh. It's very here in, in California. There are a lot of people and stuff. And I think that a lot of people, um, they don't realize the power of their subconscious choices. And so they end up creating a whole life yep. based on these sometimes prenatal, sometimes very early sort of uh, ways they see the world. And so this billboard somehow would, for each person, show them different possibilities of choice based on the choices they're making as a young person. Ah. They could see that, and they could actually play out each choice. Like, let's say, you know, money is evil. So they they, they go, you know what, I'm not going to have any money. I'm just going to, you know, my parents were jerks. They just were materialist idiots. So they live a whole life that's based on not I'm not my parents, right? Uh-huh. But you're not you're not. Mm. Who you are not. Who you are is something else. Yeah. So this billboard would be a way to guide each person into different choices they could make. And what if they could make a choice that would really feed them and they could really grow? But it's totally unfamiliar to how they see the world. That's what this billboard would do, if it's possible. Amazing! <laughs> that is... <laughs> that is one of the best answers I've ever had. That is phenomenal. I love that. I would love to steal that answer. <laughs> First, take it. Thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, sure. And I guess this sets me up for my last question, um, and by no means my least question. And uh, so... 
I ask this of everyone that is esoterical in nature, but um, just as we as we, uh, we we bring this podcast to a close, the question goes: Who are you um, beyond your story, beyond your achievements, beyond your title, beyond your name? Who are you? Mm. <laughs> I'm the explorer. I love it. I'm the explorer. I love that. That's beautiful. And, and, and I'll just say one more thing about that. Please. I believe that each one, each person listening has a theme. Mm. And this is a theme for your life. It's, it's something that is very intrinsic to this lifetime for you that really, um, that you love. And so for me, I realized that my theme has been to explore. And so when I jump in my car or my truck, I do anything, I feel like I'm on a journey of exploration. Everything I do is I'm exploring. Right now, this, this call with you on Skype is an exploration. So I feel like I touch my soul in everything I do because I know I've named my theme, which is I want to explore life. And what, what's your theme? Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, as you're sharing if you this, have, if you have an answer, I do, I do. As you said that, I just like little neon flashing lights in my head. Um, celebration. Ah, yes. I'm, I'm here to celebrate. <laughs> and then, how do you invite others to celebrate with you? you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, at the moment, it's been like I've been creating events and stuff like that. So. But that's the vibe. Let's celebrate life and this amazing gift and the majesty of it all. And yeah, so that's yeah. Wow, that was really profound. So simple. I keep get keeps getting me how like the most profound things are always so simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in your life, where where do you celebrate and where do you not celebrate? Mm. And that's your that's your spiritual path right there. And it's like and my physical path, right? So where it doesn't feel like work anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that, that's our version is it doesn't like work. Yours is it's a celebration. Mm. You know, I saw an interview with Jim Quick. So Jim Quick, is, for people that don't know, uh, he's one of the um, Quest authors on Mind Valley, yep. And he's all about the super brain. And he was at very young, had a brain that didn't work for, didn't, didn't work right. He couldn't read very well. He was um, uh, uh, just kid and, you know he was had a lot of emotional abuse about that and so he really his task was to become a super brain and really learn really how to how to think how to remember people's names how to remember num numbers in a numeric way uh, or a mnemonic way uh, with sounds and he he's an amazing coach and um, he was talking about um, Will Smith the actor and um, he's, he does a lot of coaching with um, actors, A-list actors. He did a whole uh, coaching of all the people from, um, uh, what's that, that movie, uh, not the Avengers, but uh, do you remember? The X-Men, yeah, he was coaching all those actors. And this was another set with Will Smith in Toronto. He was talking about it on the, uh, today, and he said, he asked Will Smith, he says, what's, what's really important to you? And he said, oh, what, oh shoot, what did Will Smith said? He said, it's um, it's it's discovering the magic in each moment. That's what Will Smith. 
That's what is important to him. And I think that each one of us has something that's really important to us. And that's the quest we're each on. For you, celebration. Yeah. And now, how you bring that into your business so that your business celebrates you and pays you money for everything you do. That's part of your quest, is to bring that celebration into the world. I feel like I'm ending the podcast at where it should have started now. <laughs> well, That's awesome. I guess we're uh, you got the billboard up. And it's <laughs> <cute> a little bit. <laughs> oh man. Um, so Paul, I just as I'm tap, as I'm wrapping this out, I just really want to um, I really want to take the moment to acknowledge and thank you for, for everything that you do um, you know ever since uh, I met you in in California it was just like you just radiate just joy and happiness and I know that you've like now I know you've got your morning ritual and you cultivate that um, but at the same time like just that dedication to yourself and sharing that vibe and that positivity with everybody and again you know like allowing that to infuse into other people's lives and the work that you're doing as well through conscious business trying to help humanity forward and the planet forward um, it's you know for me it's it's an inspiration so I'm, I'm really really grateful for that and just the ability to be able to sit here today and share your message and your vibe that little bit further with the community here in Australia and those listening overseas um, is an absolute gift so I'm just really grateful for everything you do and uh, and everything you have been doing and everything you continue to do. I'm excited to be on this journey with Valley and delivering their offerings across the world together as well. So, yeah, just just gratitude. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And I appreciate you too, you and Kay. You know, you're just so lovely. <laughs> and, you know, whatever I can do to support you guys, you know, so you're more successful. You know uh, what I mean? I love to do. Thank you so much for your blessings, brother. All right. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market